So you're right, sitting and posture and being raising your awareness to that and doing what you do, the posture work. So yes, very, very important. Well, you said, you said it there too. I mean, you see a lot of spinal fractures in osteoporosis. I mean, part of, I think, why we're seeing that and why that's happening to people is they have less than ideal postural position, right? So that comes back to posture again. I mean, you can link posture and osteoporosis in many obvious ways. Welcome to Stronger Bones Lifestyle Podcast. I am Debbie Robinson, your host and guide on your Stronger Bones Lifestyle Journey. My next guest, Dr. Chad, is a recognized as a leader in both the sports, chiropractic therapy, and fitness training fields. He has over two decades of experience in Los Angeles area, working with athletes and everyday people that have an athletic mindset. He is an expert in soft tissue and joint-related injuries and their treatment. He started his practice back to function in 2004 so that athletic-minded people in the South Bay area would have a facility that they could use to get elite level care. His positions have included chiropractor and strength training coach for Long Beach Ice Dogs hockey team, fitness and nutrition consultant for the Edmonton Oilers, Los Angeles Kings consultant team chiropractor, team chiropractor for the Los Angeles Dodgers, chiropractic consultant for Los Angeles Lakers, team chiropractor for Los Angeles Wildcats. Dr. Chad, is only the second doctor of chiropractic to be credentialed as a postural restoration certified practitioner from the postural restoration institute he is the creator of the online offline hockey training website hockeyot.com dr chad's education included being an ncaa scholarship track and field athlete at the university of south carolina where he conducted original research in the field of exercise science. He graduated from Southern California University of Health Science, magna cum laude, and President's Award recipient in 1998. Dr. Chad's number one area of focus, he said over the years, has been on postural correction. Welcome, Dr. Chad. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Yes. Really looking forward to our discussion because I love what you do and I think it's really important. Um, my audience, women with aging, with osteoporosis, bone issues, and you being a postural expert um, or an expert in posture, that is a main reason why I wanted you to come and speak with us today. Great. Okay, so my question then to start this is, how important is posture? And what do you notice when it comes to people's posture? I think posture is crucial. I mean, a lot of the things that we see in practice, uh, you know, I'm a chiropractor here in Lamita. We do a lot of soft tissue work, a lot of rehab work, and we use posture restoration as a, a major tool for rehab in our office. But postural dysfunction, people will walk in with, uh, a lot of times they don't even know. I mean, uh, one of the first things we do with people is we take posture pictures so we can show them what we see because a lot of times when we're looking in the mirror we're looking at our hair or you know makeup or whatever but we're not we're not looking at posture right when we look in the we look in the mirror so when we uh, work with people that's one of the first things we'll do is we'll show them okay here's what you look like from all four quadrants you know front back side and side 
And this is what we see. And then we can kind of go to work on a clinical exam uh, pertinent to their, some of their postural issues that they have. And uh, that's it ends up being a big deal for health. I mean, uh, I think a lot of times, too, people don't see the connection between posture and the nervous system. And I think that's a big thing in the postural restoration concept is how postural distortion can affect your nervous system and create other problems in your life, right? Whether it be digestive disorders or, or, or you name it. So yeah, we're big on posture at Back to Function, and um, you know, as a result, we get uh, we get a lot of people coming in the door, uh, thinking about how we could help them improve their posture. Okay, so much was just said there. So first of all, just at the very beginning of what you said, you talked, you said the word soft tissue. So I think when people think of posture, especially if they think of their spine, they think of bones. Sure. Right? But you were speaking about soft tissue, and focusing on soft tissue to manage the spine or manage bones right? Can you just say yeah. a little bit about that? Like to let people understand like how bones are being managed? Yeah, I'm a big fascia guy. I mean, everybody wants to talk about muscles, but uh, the reality is our, our muscles are basically just doing what our nervous system tells them to do, whether contract or relax, right? So the fascia is basically what envelopes all the muscles and connects all the tissue together. And it kind of forms that fascial web that gets us moving and pulls on the bones and makes us move through space. So we're big on that. We're big on how the uh, how posture affects fascia. You know, a fascia fascia will basically make the bones do things, right? Uh, whether it be walk or sit or run or or jump. So uh, that fascial sling, the way the body moves together, is a a, a very organized pattern. And uh, the better we have, uh, the better posture we have, the easier it is for us to find neutral in our daily activities, the more we get, uh, you know, good fascial connections and have the muscles and the bones connect better. Okay. So are we training our fascia? Like what, how is that working? Fascia is interesting because it's almost like a bag that envelopes the muscles. So you're always training your fascia and uh, sometimes we're training it for bad. I mean, uh, people that have to sit all day, their fascial system is basically adapting to that sitting position. And we all know uh, now, based on the research, that uh, the sitting can be one of the most destructive things we we really do during the day. Uh, sometimes they actually equate uh, sitting to smoking, which is uh, sounds sounds far fetched, but sitting can take years off our life, right? And uh, unfortunately, most people have sitting occupations uh, for you know multiple decades in their lifetime. So our fascia adapts to the sitting posture. And then a part of our job here at Back to Function is we have to try to unwind people because most people don't just sit their whole life. They want to be able to move. They want to be able to play tennis and golf and the new thing now, pickleball and all these things, right? So uh, in order to get people to do these activities that, uh, we, that we want them to do because it makes them so much healthier, I know you're you're a big uh, proponent of the stronger bones and uh, you know eliminating, reversing the signs of osteoporosis. So we want people to move. But in order to get them to move, we had to get them out of that sitting posture. And part of that fascial sling that they've adapted themselves into from sitting, we have to try to help them unwind that, that sitting position that they're stuck in. Yeah, I don't think people realize this, but there's the muscle that attaches to all five lower lumbar. And for some people, the lower thoracic vertebra to the legs. So if you're in that constant contracted state, pulling on that lower spine, the next curve up is the thoracic. And that's going to have an effect there. And so with osteoporosis, half of all the fractures are in the spine and they're in the spine right where lower thoracic and lumbar meet. And it's because of that forward movement of the spine. So you're right. Sitting and posture and being raising your awareness to that 
and doing what you do, the posture work. So yes, very, very important. Well, you said, you said it there too. I mean, you see a lot of spinal fractures in osteoporosis. I mean, part of, I think, why we're seeing that and why that's happening to people is they have less than ideal postural position, right? So that comes back to posture again. I mean, you can link posture and osteoporosis in many obvious ways. But uh, the biggest thing I think we see in the thoracic spine is the inability uh, for that thoracic spine to have a normal kyphosis. And a lot of that's just the inability for people to expand air into their thoracic spine, into their rib cage, and into a kind of a fancy term, into that posterior mediastinum, which is that space kind of behind the, uh, in the back part of the lungs, driving air into that area. Uh, a lot of us, when we sit, that thoracic spine gets really kind of rigid and, and straightened out. And we lose some of that normal kyphosis in there. Then people will try, will, will try to adapt by kind of creating that Dowager's hump, which is the, the top of the thoracic spine becomes very, very kyphotic in order to try to restore some kind of kyphosis. But of course, it's less than ideal, right? And uh, it becomes a, uh, a postural anom anomaly. So part of what we're doing with people is we're trying to restore those normal curves that we've had when we were younger that we've distorted because of the activities that we found ourselves in. And a lot of times that's like that sitting position. Yeah. And the, we need that kyphotic curve in the thoracic spine because we have to manage this 10 pound head that's on our bodies. Mm. And so I see mine's, mine's more like 50 pounds. <laughs> Yeah. So they say eight to 12 is the average. So I go to 10, but okay. You have a, what'd you say? 50 pound head <laughs> with that big brain of yours. It's all rocks in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's what another thing that people aren't understanding. So yes, we've got the sitting aspect. So we've got the lower spine issue where we're pulling on lumbar spine into that extension curve that it lives in with the psoas attached. And then above we have the head and most of our activities the head is forward. So you have this tipping forward angle of this 10 pound head, and then you have your body trying to manage that. And without that awareness over time, that forward movement puts too much pressure on the weakest part of the spine because the front part of the spine is the weakest, right? The bones are the weaker, the weaker right. bones. The, yeah, yeah. It, it really is. It really 50% of the fractures are there in the spine. So you use the word, you said the word reverse in there. And one of my biggest things, like my main reason for doing this podcast is to show women what is possible when it comes to, I say, reversing bone loss. Would you say that bone loss is reversible? Everything's reversible. That's a big concept that, that I use with, with people when they come in is, you know, people want to know that, they, that there's hope, right? And, uh, you know, part of our job is to say, okay, there's hope and this is why. And then we we, we could create we create an action plan of how they're going to get to the goals that they have. Some people have really simple goals. They just, just want to be out of pain, right? And it's like, okay, great. Oh, you want to get out of pain. And then sometimes once they achieve that goal to get out of pain, then uh, they have other goals that they want to add to the list, right? That's a big thing for us on our intake form. The, one of the last questions we have are, what are your goals? And uh, please specify and then we have checkboxes to make it easy for you because some people are like, oh, they don't want to think too much about what their goals are. They just want to come see the chiropractor and get fixed, right? So uh, I like to know what people's goals are. It helps me a lot in formulating like uh, ideas of an action plan for them. And like I said, a lot of times their goals will change as uh, as, uh, as we're, our relationship grows and they start to really understand maybe what we can do to help them. And uh, that we're not just the typical chiropractic office that's just like, you know, uh, adjusting joints or cracking things, right? 
uh, but we're adding the soft tissue fascial component. We're adding the rehab component. We're adding the postural restoration component. Uh, once they see that we have these avenues that we can take them down, then all of a sudden, a lot of times their goals will get expanded. And uh, I think that's a big thing, though, right? Is like, um, you know, you only want to, for the people that you're working with, you have to understand what their goals are too, right? Just because I have a goal for somebody doesn't mean that's their goal. So we have to we have to jive on that and make sure that we're we're both working towards the same uh, set of goals. Okay, so for removing kyphosis, that Dowager's hump, if someone has a real like hump in their back, like if the, if you cannot stand up against the wall with the back of your arms, back of your hands, no flexion in your wrists, and the back of your head and sacrum, right? I always use that as a postural analysis for people to kind of figure out if the, how much roundness they have in the thoracic spine, like, you know, being all the way against the back wall. So for those that do know that they have a curve, what are, is, can you give us like a tip or two that you would recommend? I think the biggest tip that I use repetitively over and over again is rib cage to pelvis. You have to connect your rib cage, your lower ribs and your pelvis have to connect, right? And that's a big thing because in the lower rib cage, we have our diaphragm, which has a left and a right side and our pelvis, we have the pelvic floor. So the pelvic floor and the diaphragm are kind of like the top and the bottom of, uh, I use a, I use the term like a top and bottom of an elevator. Right. So so those things have to connect and they can't be disconnected. They can't be opened up. So a lot of times what happens with people is their rib cage is flared forward. Right. They're in a state of what we call like a hyperinflation. They're driving a lot of air into their system, but they're not driving air out of their system. So the rib cage is flared open. And a lot of times that'll create that anterior pelvic tilt too. So it's kind of like that scissors position that we see in a lot of people that walk in here. And we'll, we'll see it when they lay on their back too. And we'll just ask them, just breathe normal, just relax. And their rib cage never really gets into a state of exhalation. It's always stuck in an inhaled state. And there's a nervous system component to that too that we can get into if you want, but it's really sympathetic, right? Where we're in a state of inhalation, that's kind of like a sympathetic response. But we get into that, exhaled state it's more parasympathetic it's a more relaxed position and i know with you with your yoga you really understand breathing really well right that like that nice exhaled state is just a relaxed state and that's why i think a lot of techniques like yoga will incorporate breathing into their technique system because they're trying to get people into that relaxed parasympathetic zone right so um so the biggest tip i think i could give people is you got to get that lower rib cage down in and back and connect to the pelvis. That way your core, your abdominal wall can actually work effectively. When that rib cage is flared open in that inhaled state, not just the nervous system dysfunction that we find, that sympathetic zone, but the uh, the abdominal wall, the core can't work very effectively because it's kind of like edges of a drawbridge. If the rib cage is flared forward and then maybe that uh, pelvis is tilted forward too, the abdominal wall has too long of, of an expanse to uh, to cross and the abdominal wall never can work effectively. So we never really get to core neutral, which is again, very fatiguing to the nervous system. Core neutral is a relaxed state. So we want to be able to find neutral for our people here, right? So so saying core neutral is a buzz as a buzzword, but we take it really seriously because if we can find core neutral for our people, whether it be standing, sitting, walking, uh, laying down, then their their system has ability to rest and restore, and that's like a big deal. A lot of people just aren't getting really good restoration and and uh, recovery 
because their system's always in a state of, of movement and extension or an inhalation. So would you teach this to someone laying down on the ground? That's usually where we'd start because it's the easiest position to start in. My favorite position to start people in for uh, for our posture restoration concept is on their back with their feet up at a 90 degrees, their feet, their knees and hips at 90 degrees, their feet on the wall. So the wall becomes kind of like the floor, but it's like a soft floor because they don't have all their body weight on it. And then we can start to teach them how to get that rib cage down, how to breathe air out of their system and connect the rib cage to the pelvis. And that's a big start because without that, it's hard to have success in a, in a rehab program because you never can really find neutral. Yeah, that's great too. And it's safe for osteoporosis because you're not going to have any excessive flexion in the thoracic spine. And then that, because what you're talking about with the lower ribs, moving them backwards, it's with the muscles of the diaphragm and the pelvic floor, not with the spine. And this is where right. that whole soft tissue part comes in. And right. I think people try to use, you know, with, with osteoporosis, forward flexion is a no-no in the spine. It's not forward folding that's a no-no because forward folding at the hip joint is what you should do, but it's yes. that flexion of the spine. So you're using the muscles to maintain that stability of the structure and take and really training people to not think of pushing their ribs back with their spine. So the floor would be an ideal place to achieve that. Yeah. Okay. Let's, so this is what another thing that's so great about what you do is you go into the nervous system. So not only are you chiropractor muscles and bones and physical body, you're going into the physiological biochemical when you go into the nervous system and you start to retrain. So you were mentioning the nervous system component of posture. So what are the big aspects of the things that could go wrong? And then a tip or two on how to shift that uh things that go wrong could go wrong with the nervous system or yeah the, so with, with postural malalignment how does that negatively affect the nervous system which then in turn domino effect is negatively affecting whatever the physiology so, so what, what we see a lot in the office is people coming in kind of stuck in like what we call hyperventilation or in an inhaled state their uh life is uh, let's be honest life is stressful for a lot of people right whether it be uh, work stress or uh, family stress or social stress of some sort, a lot of people have stress in their lives that's, uh, that sometimes be, can become rather, rather unmanageable for them. So at the, a lot of times the, the body's response to that is to kind of get into a fight or flight mode and getting into that sympathetic system. The nervous system is like kind of two systems, right? We have the sympathetic system, which would be the fight or flight mode or the parasympathetic system, which is kind of like the rest and recovery mode. And I, I, we, uh, a lot of people that have pain that's like chronic in nature, that's hard for them to manage are stuck in that sympathetic mode, right? The pain's making their their life worse, the stress is making the pain worse, and they kind of get stuck in that state of inhalation where they're like exasperated, they don't know what to do, it's hard for them to relax, it's hard for them to sleep sometimes, and that kind of goes back into that rib cage flare, right? They're stuck in that state of inhalation, the rib cage is flared open, and uh, one of the main uh, tenets for posture restoration is we got to get that rib cage down. And as they get that rib cage down and connected to the pelvis, they're exhaling. And as they're exhaling, they're starting to feel a little bit better about their situation because they're getting closer to that nice, relaxed, recovered parasympathetic mode. Yeah. And the body cannot heal in a stress state. We only heal when we're in that relaxation zone. Not only do we digest physically what we bring in, because this is a big thing I speak about as a yoga therapist, we don't just consume food that makes all tissues in our body. We consume information. 
So whatever it is we're watching, listening to, participating in, even if it's invisible and you don't really think about it, it's actually having an effect on your posture, on your bones, on the way you stand, the way you show up in your life. And it's that slow erosion over time that leads to so much of what we see as we get older, all these disease states. So understanding that we are intricately connected mind, body, and nervous system, bones, spine, really important. So that's great. That's great work that you do. All right. So any parting words for just, I know you've said a lot about posture and how important it is, but one thing I, I guess what I'd like to know too, is what you've seen over the years and what I, what would you run ahead and say to someone, don't come here? Like, what are your big things you would tell people uh, don't do that because this will happen um, <laughs> or stop, stop doing that. I mean, just, just, well, you know, as a, someone who's had a hip replacement and a collapse joint at 50 and in a wheelchair and my life was stopped in my tracks, I feel that what I do, everything I do is to try to not let people get to a place of broken because broken is hard to, right. to get away from. And I was only 50. So I had a lot of desire to have a, a big life because I had so many years left to live. Yeah. You know, as somebody gets closer to like, let's say 70, even the 80 year mark, you know, it's not, you might not have all that energy or drive. So what are some of the big things you notice that you would tell somebody, don't do this, don't do that, or do this every day, do that every day? I, I think the biggest thing I tell people is uh, fi find help, like get help. The people that know like uh, what they're doing in whatever field it is that you're interested in, whether it's yoga or Pilates or strength and conditioning training or uh, swimming or whatever it is that you're doing that you enjoy doing, get help and try to be as efficient at it as possible. I think a lot of times we kind of just try to like venture out on our own and recreate the wheel uh, where there's people in the community that um, are excellent at the thing that maybe you're trying to get into, like with you with yoga, right? Like, so, so find somebody uh, like you that understands yoga and the wellness concept so well and use them to guide you through that uh, modality, right? I think that's a big thing. It's like, uh, you know, even like people that, oh, I'm going to, you know, start a running program. It's like, okay, great. You're going to start a running program, but how's your technique in running, right? I mean, people that are track and field athletes have coaches that work with them that perfect their, like, you know, their running stride and their mechanics and, and therefore their chance of injury goes way down. But, um, you know, a lot of us will say like, oh, I'm going to start running. I want to lose weight. But it's like they go out there and you watch their 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 mechanics running and it's like, oh, man, they're going to get hurt, right? Because their mechanics are just so faulty. Uh, but if they had some coaching on uh, how to do it properly, they'd be so much better off as far as what part of the foot should strike the ground, et cetera. So I think that's the big thing is, um, you know, I think the big thing I tell people is just try to try to find experts in whatever field that you're that you're venturing into and try to learn from them. And, uh, you know, a little bit of education can go a long way in helping prevent injuries. Okay. That honestly was an excellent answer because <laughs> I'll tell you, I work with a lot of women, most of them, you know, let's say 60 plus a lot are at that Medicare age. So then they're happy to get on Medicare because then they get everything covered. And I run functional labs. And so often the question is, is this covered by insurance? And I think we're just so stuck in this mindset that the doctor's going to fix it. Well, Dr. Chad will, <laughs> that the doctor's going to fix it or that we need to go through insurance. But for those of us that are periphery to all of this, that this is our life's work, it's you need to pay 
to have somebody that's an expert and you really do need to find an expert like taking yoga do not take yoga from someone that's not trained in osteoporosis because they're going to forward folding is very you know there's a lot of that so you're so right chad you are so right about how important it is to find someone that this is their passion and make sure that you do your research on who they are and what it is that they do so that was an excellent answer thank you all right so you are in southern california and it, for those that are local to southern california you're in luck because you could go to dr chad and if you're not hopefully soon there will be ways to work with him in a bigger scale maybe on something online or something like that good idea it's it's gonna happen <laughs> All right. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your wisdom because this is a super important topic. I'm going to say for osteoporosis, I do healthy gut, healthy bones. So I look at the biochemistry, but if I'm going to speak about physically, what is my most important thing that I do for osteoporosis? It is posture, postural awareness. I like it. Yeah. All right, Chad. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Debbie. Thank you so much for listening to Stronger Bones Lifestyle Podcast. Bone loss is not an inevitable part of aging. We don't have to just wait for it to happen. There is so much that you can do. And that is what you will learn each week on the show. Go to my website, DebbieRobinson.com. If you want more information about what was shared in today's episode, at the bottom of this episode in the show notes, there will be links to whatever was shared. Please subscribe to this podcast share this podcast with your friends, your family, or any women that you think may be interested or benefit from the information we're sharing. Please rate the podcast. And if you have any questions you'd like asked or answered, I would love to hear from you. Let's do this, ladies. Let's change the way the world views osteoporosis and slow down, stop, or reverse our bone loss, take charge, and show other ladies what is possible. Thank you so much for joining me.